It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. This is where there would probably be some music or something. But hey, we are here. We are recording. It's real. Uh, welcome to the uh, the inaugural episode of Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 podcast. I am Sam Charrington, and you just heard my dog in the background. <laughs> and I'm Will Morey. I, that's... And you've, uh, you've soundproofed your son so he can't interfere. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh very exciting uh we're we're will and i uh go way back talking about movies ad nauseum into the wee hours of the morning and now you get to listen along with us uh so uh on a certain level i'm sorry but on another level you're welcome it should be fun then. odyssey into madness <laughs> uh i kind of want to explain what this podcast is and why we're doing it and it's it all started uh, when uh, I had an epiphany about uh, the Halloween franchise, which has been retconned over and over again. Uh, it's basically, uh, there's a third Halloween, there's Halloween 3, but there are technically three more Halloween 3s in the franchise, because Halloween 4 follows up Halloween 1 and 2, Halloween H2O ignores Halloween 4 and follows up Halloween 1 and 2, and Halloween Kills, which just came out, ignores Halloween to onward and follows up Halloween and the other Halloween from 2018. Uh, and then it got us talking about uh, the part three, the part threes of franchises, uh, your Godfather three, your return of the Jedi, your, your uh, men in black three, most importantly. So we wanted to talk about like the third movie in a series, the third movie in a trilogy or the third movie in a, a, 10, 12, 15, however many Fast and Furiouses there are now, uh, <laughs> wanting to talk about why is that one special? Because sometimes, you know, Godfather 3 is the worst one, or uh, Revenge of the Sith is the best one, or Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is the one where the franchise found itself. And uh, I started making a long list at one in the morning, and I realized there are so many movies where you can talk about it and have something resembling an actual conversation. And so I said, Will, do you want to do this with me? And I said, absolutely. I mean, there is something to be said for part threes, because in, in some ways they come to define a franchise. If it's the end of a trilogy, it sort of uh, puts a button on the, on the trilogy. Or if it's the part three of a, what will eventually be a long-running franchise, it tends to be the pivot point of when things change or when audiences rejected certain things. And so they morph and change and become what they, what we know them of as. Exactly. Now. It's, it's tough. It's all sometimes the one that tries to wrap up, answer questions, tie things up in a bow. It's the one where, um, uh, if it's a longer series, it might be the one where they finally get into a groove. It's the one where Jason gets the hockey mask and, and that defines the franchise going forward. It's the one where it's, uh, in 3d, sometimes because of the title <laughs> so we're in a you know week to week talk about uh part threes like we'll be talking about you know your return of the jedi your revenge of the sith your rise of skywalker we're going to talk about ghostbusters from a few years ago the paul feig one and then we're going to talk about ghostbusters afterlife because they're both ghostbusters three and we're going to talk about matrix revolutions because will demands it 
That's right. <laughs> and he's uh, already requested a special episode for Matrix Resurrections, even though that's not a third movie. But that's that's you're not getting a Christmas gift. That's your Christmas gift. I'll accept it. That 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 counts as a gift. <laughs> Excellent. And we are completely, I should note, flying by the seat of our pants here. I've never podcasted before. I don't believe you have, Mister Mori. No, I have not. So this is uh, this is the first for me. So we'll we'll see where this goes, how long this gets, how big this gets. <laughs> but today, as I said, we're going to start with the franchise that started it all for this podcast, which is Halloween. And what better way to kick things off than with the least essential part three there is the free space, the one that has nothing to do with any other movie in the franchise or any other movie period. Halloween three season of the witch, possibly the best or the worst Halloween movie there is, depending on whether or not you really need Michael Myers in your movie. Yeah. That, that about sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you need a slasher movie even, (laughs) or yeah, if it doesn't have to be a slash, if you, if you watched Halloween one and two, back in 78 and 81 and said, I need more androids. <laughs> this is the movie for you. I need more children's heads to explode yeah. and piles of bugs. <laughs> I need more crickets, more uh, Tom Atkins ass. Uh, I need I need more of that and less of uh, Michael Myers, the symbol of the franchise. I should oh, before we go any further. I want to warn: we're going to definitely spoil this this ridiculous movie, and uh, I think also to uh, ease uh, people in that don't know the franchise, we're going to spoil the first two movies as well. None of that matters. That has n- n- none of that matters for Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, because uh, back in 1982, when the film was made, uh, original director and writer John Car- Carpenter and his producer Deborah Hill wanted to take the franchise in a different direction and turn it into an anthology series of little Halloween-themed movies. And this was the first and only one, because uh, the next installment in the franchise is called Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. Spoiler alert. He didn't blow up quite so much as we thought in Halloween 2, but we'll get to that next week. Will, what did you think of Halloween 3? Well, it's it's an interesting movie, because it's... um... On one hand, it actually feels more like a John Carpenter movie than the original Halloween does. Um, it feels a lot like They Live or um, uh, The Fog or um, uh, In the Mouth of Madness. It feels very much like a John Carpenter movie, even though he really is only a producer and he did do the score. Um, so in that respect, it's sort of interesting, but it's also very slow, kind of ponderous. There's like a lot of just scenes of driving. And then once the movie kicks into gear, it goes bananas and then ends. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you, you feel that first 90 minutes and then you, uh, you, you barely catch your breath in the last 10 or so. Yeah, exactly. And what's, uh, so, I mean, there's that, but also like Tom Atkins is a fun lead and, um, he's like a a sleazy doctor, but also like you like him, which is kind of fun. Um, he's, he's uh, actually like, he's a, he's a, he's a womanizer and a deadbeat dad and an alcoholic and women want him so bad. Like, there is not a woman in this movie that he doesn't sexually harass, 
and they're they're shockingly okay with it. Except his ex-wife. <laughs> Presumably she's spent like more time with him than a weekend and figured it out. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a wild movie, but I can see why it's gained a cult in the cult following, sort of in the past you know couple years or you know decade or so. It seems like it's gotten a reevaluation, um, but it's that's just so slow. <laughs> it's I, I can only imagine what like obviously in 1982 you didn't have the internet. So how did someone that was going into this movie? that didn't know Michael Myers wasn't in it. How far in do you think they got before they realized something was way off? Yeah, I would imagine probably when the clips of the original Halloween started playing or when um, uh, Tom Atkins' ex-wife, who's the actress's name who escapes me, is from the original Halloween. That actress is... Nancy Loomis, yeah. yeah. She was Annie in the original, and in this she's a disappointed ex-wife. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly so i imagine once those happened audience members would go oh and if they were expecting sort of more of the same uh this is not what they uh, signed up for and then you know sort of it's probably why it's it's the best example of to kick off this podcast is because it is the one that defined the franchise by being what it's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? will you my, my god you've got it you cracked it <laughs> it's 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 such a weird anomaly both in like terms of a movie itself but also like there really is i can't think of another franchise that's like this like yeah no i mean that just completely disregards sort of any sense of continuity or anything yeah. i mean you you, you get you like kind you, of... you get reboots and stuff in there like there's like the new paranormal activities just wiping the slate clean but it's not like they don't number anything anymore. So that doesn't really matter, but I can't, this is so such an, I've, this movie is fascinating to me. Yeah. And yeah, it's so, it's so strange because you think about franchise filmmaking in the eighties, you know, late seventies, like you, you have the bond movies and you know, you have the, the, the slasher movies boom kind of on the horizon. Um, you don't really have this kind of, and the Planet of the Apes movies, I think, are the only is the only other ones, the big ones that I can think of. Yeah, um, I'd say in terms of like a big commercial. I guess the part- Superman movies are, are, yeah. are happening here too. But. Yeah, like, I'd say like the biggest commercial franchise that I can think of where they really gave a sh- like a mild shit about continuity was Planet of the Apes before star wars came along and and then the slasher well the the slasher movies don't give a shit about continuity but before like franchises were a thing yeah so but i mean it's clear that you know carpenter had and and deborah hill had this idea that they wanted an anthology movie and and it makes sense this movie does feel like a twilight zone episode stretched to you know a feature film yeah Um, and it's and it's not like pretending the first two movies don't exist. Like they exist in the world of Halloween three. And they even like, there's a, a moment I really like where they use like diet, the, the theme, the original Halloween theme diegetically as right. uh, Conroe Cochran says, happy Halloween, which feels like that's <laughs> like a moment. If it was Avengers Endgame, where everyone would have cheered. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and, and, and it uh, looks 
it looks and feels just enough like a Halloween movie that I imagine people were confused for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, and the score, you know, the John Carpenter and Alan Howard score is the same. It's similar. It, it feels it has the same vibe. But then once you're running or once you get into it and like it's these weird guys in suits running around killing people. And there's this weird yeah. town in, in California that's bought up by <laughs> Irish people. It's just... And it was it was shot by Dean Cundy. And yeah, it, yeah. it's it's got uh dick warlock is like the stunt coordinator who was ha- michael myers in halloween 2 uh directed by tommy lee wallace uh who is one of the other members of the coupe de villes uh john oh, carpenter's band damn. john right, carpenter's right. band is uh john carpenter Ca- john carpenter tommy lee wallace and nick castle who was <laughs> michael myers in the first halloween and went on to direct the last starfighter so uh it's that's uh, right that's right yeah and co-wrote uh, Escape from New York, I think. I could be wrong. Yes, yes. No, he was... I just was looking him up. He actually directed more stuff than I remember. He directed uh, Dennis the Menace, uh, Major Pain, Mr. Wrong, uh, and he wrote the movie August Rush, which was like a musical from 2007. Oh, so, right. Yeah. August Rush. That's a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, uh, it's that. That's his. That's his. Wes Craven's music from the heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you, where did when did you first see uh, Halloween three? I saw Halloween three probably in high school. I I didn't have like cable from the age of like eight to the age of seventeen, and then like when I was about 17 years old, that's when cable internet came, started coming in and replacing dial up. So my folks finally got cable again. I, I, cause they probably were sick of twisting rabbit ears on principle. Uh, they'd rather pay the $30 a month to get actual reception. <laughs> it was, I, my family had, we had one TV in the like family room and one upstairs in my parents' bedroom. And we got about six channels total, but only like three on each. So if you wanted ABC nine, Manchester, New Hampshire, that was downstairs. But if you wanted uh, Fox 25, Boston, that was upstairs. So, you know, we were watching, uh, <laughs> we were watching, you know, Disney's one Saturday morning in the family room, but 24 and the X-Files were upstairs in my parents' bedroom. So, but um, <laughs> when we got cable, the only premium cable channel we had was Encore. And Encore showed all the Halloween sequels all the time. So I think I saw Halloween 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then they were always showing Terror in the Isles as well. So it was just like a lot. Like the whole Donald Pleasance catalog was in there. But I saw it then. And then I think I saw it, you know, like in chunks. Like I saw kind of the hits. I saw the 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 head, the head melting scene. I saw the ending. Like really bad standard definition co- version of the movie um but yeah so i and then i think by the end of college i'd seen it in its entirety and i like probably plowing through the whole halloween franchise what what's your this is like our before and after battle of yavin uh moment you know, <laughs> when was when was when did a a h3 begin yeah. well i actually i didn't see it until uh the the 2018 halloween uh was coming out um when i got into the the, the halloween i got it i had a slasher 
days when uh, Scream came out, when I first saw Scream. Um, and so when I watched, I watched Halloween and Halloween 2, and then what I had heard, either from friends or on the internet, that Halloween 3 was just about a killer mask maker and Michael Myers wasn't in it. So I just never watched it. And, like, that description is kind of right, but is yeah, not it, really. Like, <laughs> we're, like, a little younger than this era of the Halloween movies. Uh, so, I, you know, it was the, the one without Michael Myers. But had someone explained to me that it's like, well, yeah, it's about a killer mask maker. And I had just assumed it's kind of like a, was a slasher movie about a mask maker who was killing people. Um, but had someone explained to me, no, 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 it's about at least crazy, this crazy cult that's turned it, that's, that hates people celebrating Halloween wrong. <laughs> They're trying to like just blow up people's heads. I may have watched it at that time. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's selling it short to just say it's like the, the one that's not really a Halloween movie. Cause there's, yeah. there's an interesting horror movie in there. I don't know if it quite lives up to the cult following, but it's, it's definitely, it's like, it's definitely worth a watch. I'd, I'd oh, recommend yeah. someone watch this over, uh, like Halloween. It's better than Halloween resurrection. It's better than the, the one with Paul Rudd. Which I think actually up until maybe my late 20s was the only other one I had uh, I had seen aside from the first two. That one was on was Encore constantly. Right. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it was the you know theatrical cut where the ending doesn't make any sense. I, I honestly don't remember anything about it, but I think it's just because my, my local blockbuster only had Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and Halloween, that's 6, right? That's what... Yeah, the, Halloween... Yeah. Uh, and depending on what cut, they don't even call it six because it, it like follows up Halloween five. But it, the franchise went to the Weinsteins in the interim right. and it was like six years later when it came out. So it was Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Right. That's right. Yeah. And famously, if you know about the franchise, it went in for massive reshoots. Donald Pleasance died uh, between regular filming right. and the reshoot. So they kind of had to cobble together the footage and then. There was like kind of a bootleg producer's cut that existed for a long time. And I think it's now, it's now on Blu-ray. It's in the Scream Factory box set. So it's better. I don't know if that's uh, I, that's maybe damning it with faint praise to be better than Halloween 6. But uh, Will, um, I took some notes here and this was only last night. And some of them don't make sense to me anymore. I have dead <laughs> dwarf gag written. Dead dwarf gag. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, it's the the uh, the dad, uh, Buddy, the one whose kid's head melts. He's rattling yes, off yeah. all the like per famous pranks oh, that Connell Cochran right. did. Yeah. The sticky toilet paper, the soft chainsaw, and the dead dwarf gag. And I've I I'm a little too young for the era of joke shops, but I don't remember any of these. And what is the dead dwarf gag? What was so funny about that moment is like he's he's telling Tom Atkins like these are like th these are obvious you know these these are old school and Atkins is just kind of nodding along like sure yeah I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Those characters just seem like they wandered in from a completely different movie. <laughs> I mean, you could kind of make that argument about every character in this. That's <laughs> true. It's like it's it is it is a bunch of characters that kind of really don't know how to interact with the other characters in the movie. 
My favorite being the gas station attendant at the beginning and the end, who very wisely at the beginning like, drops the guy off and just fuck, fucks off as quickly. Like, he doesn't want anything to do with this. I gotta go. Oh, man. So the, the villain's plot is he's going, he's made, he's stolen a five-ton chunk of Stonehenge. <laughs> and he's chipping off little bits of it to put in his world-famous Halloween masks, all three of the ones he makes, um, <laughs> which kids will wear on Halloween and watch the uh, the big giveaway at nine on TV, where uh, you'll listen to the, Hall- the Silver Shamrock masks jingle and watch the Magic Pumpkin, which through mi- mystical Celtic runes and technology will make uh, the mask wearer's brain melt and their face melt and spew crickets and rattlesnakes all over the floor. And he plans all to sorts do of creepy yeah, crawlies. Yeah, all sorts of creepy crawlies. And uh, he also has uh, constructed an army of very good androids, like very convincing androids, yet doesn't seem to think they're more than a peripheral element in his plan for world domination. <laughs> Well, but it's the whole thing, right? I mean, this is like the Halloween movies. Like, this is like a, a Christmas movie, you know, where where you go through a Christmas movie and it's like you're the reason for the season isn't a commercialization of Christmas. It's you know the spirit of giving. This one is it's you know Halloween has been perverted. It's not about giving out candy. It's about sacrificing children. So, so what you're saying is that if this movie followed the standard Christmas movie like Hallmark Christmas movie plot structure, Tom Atkins would realize that Halloween is about murdering millions of children. Yeah. It's all about child sacrifice. That's what Halloween's all about. And uh, it should be mentioned that Dan O'Hurley is having a ball. Oh no. He's just having so much fun. Dan O'Hurley as, as villain Connell Cochran. He's uh, most people, I think know him as the CEO, the old man from RoboCop. And he, he's, fully a like i would say he's the best part of the movie he's like a roger moore bond villain that's what i would describe him as he's like that like he's so happy to be able to talk to someone about his evil scheme because you get the sense that he only really has like robots and yes men and so there's this whole protracted sequence uh where he just sort of shows tom atkins the whole operation and it's just so excited and just he, he like he's so charming and so happy to be able to talk to someone he's almost giddy <laughs> it's, it's like he's about to jump up and do a jig in some scenes yeah <laughs> it's it's unfortunate that you have to get like a solid half hour of tom atkins having sex with a 23 year old to get to the villain of this movie right <laughs> yeah you almost kind of want the movie to be set in the town already that they don't have to go there and tom atkins sort of figures out that something's up i don't know yeah like the whole like road trip aspect just seems so superfluous i was thinking it's this movie's best when it almost has like kind of a joe dante howling vibe to it when it's a little bit more self-aware and it's got a lot of similarities to the howling I, i was realizing like that's like the secret community up in northern california and the old British sort of patriarch of it. And I feel like 
maybe like you have done it if you've done it that way with like Cochran as like more of a public figure. He's more of a like a like a Halloween fixture. Like he's I, I don't know what the equivalent would be like like a Walt Disney but for Halloween spirit Halloween stores. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, I like the actress that plays Ellie. I liked her. I've seen the movie a few times. I watched it yesterday and I I like her in this. She's they don't make her like until she spends until she's either either she was a robot the whole time or she turns into a robot. Uh, She's like confident and sardonic. And I I feel like they they wrote her and that she performed it in a really nice way. It's just that like I mean, she she's like all over Tom Atkins as soon as they get to that Almost hotel room. immediately. Yeah. She's like, she wants him. It, 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 it's just, I did, I looked, he's more than twice her age. He was 47. She's 23. When this movie came out, I was like, I, I, don't, I can't sleep on the couch. Well, where do you want to sleep? <laughs> oh, don't ask me that question. That's a stupid question. Miss Grimbridge. Uh, I like just there was a moment early in the movie that I really liked where she um, her dad is sort of the guy that gets the plot in motion and he owns a mask store. He discovers the big plot. He ends up in the hospital where he's murdered by a robot like an android in one of the many great android kills in this movie where he just sticks his thumb and his forefinger in the dad's eyes and just crushes his skull she comes in to to like identify the body and her reaction is almost like like at first she's like well let's just get it over with and her reaction is not like freaking out it's more like oh that is bad like <laughs> like she's like oh how i i how, I, how bad could it be oh damn <laughs> like it's yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just a subtle and then for some reason tom atkins is just standing in there watching her react to her father's brutalized corpse but they and then he uh, like 20 minutes later heads up the coast with her with no extra clothes and a six pack of beer yeah he abandons his kids on halloween weekend to be with this this new daughter of his to solve the mystery of the the guy who got murdered on his watch yeah i guess i don't know yeah though you get the sense that if he stayed in town he was going to dump his children to hang out with the coroner lady instead right. you know That's he's because right. he has a, re- a relationship with the coroner lady and then his head nurse he spanks <laughs> yeah you know she she, she's okay with she's her. okay she knows he's he's he she's he, she's way too old for him yeah. she's age appropriate for him <laughs> but yeah oh, it's boy. it's it, it it needed more of like the creepy old timey toys it needed more of that like like, you know how you look up, like, creepy old Halloween photos? It needed more of, like, that vibe. Like, new Halloween versus, like, creepy old Halloween. Right, or even, like, just an extra step in the mystery. Like, they they go to the father's uh, novelty store and look at, like, the Silver Shamrock novelties or something I, to just sort of add a little bit more menace. Because it just feels like there's, you know, 45 minutes where nothing really happens. And then yeah. they go up to... They get the, up to Santa Mira. Yeah. And then everything happens. <laughs> yeah. Then you get like one, at least three amazing, like people just dying all over the place. You get the, the wino who gets his head just pulled off of his Popped body. Right off, yeah. And then you get, and then, the and then of woman course, who gets lasered in the face. 
Well, that was when I remember when I first saw it being like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I did. I show it to you for the first time. You did. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. And I was like, well, if nothing else, there's like a bunch of what the fuck moments in this. So, yeah, it's it, uh, that yeah. like the when it's like the gore is great. The makeup effects are great, like uh, except for the end where uh, Dan O'Hurley, he gets turned into like a man made of chalk is the best I can describe it. <laughs> like yeah. he gets like he gets hit with like Stonehenge lasers him and he just turns into like I can only describe it as like a scrimshaw sculpture uh, like like a Dan O'Hurley he carved out of soap and, and then he just f- like sort of fades away like he was being uh, he's like on old Star Trek but uh, yeah other than that like everything in this movie it's gory it feels like it is a weird sci-fi horror movie but it just takes the audience knows everything before the characters like it's it like lays out it kind right. of like lays out yeah. the clues but the character the lead character is instead of actively solving the mystery, just banging the girl through almost like the entirety of it. Yeah. And then, and then they kind of get on the, the tour of the silver shamrock place, just uh, kind of uh, by luck. It's not even like they're trying to, they're just trying to figure out about like the order or what the dad was trying to do. And then the, the buddy, the buddy, the buddy senior invites them on the tour and they're they're on they're good they don't have to do anything no it's like there's the story is interesting but it is like the the plot structure is very slow it's the kind of movie that you feel like if john carpenter had done it it would have that that slow burn would have felt more earned like the first halloween right builds and builds and builds and then there's like the only real action is the final act of the movie Right, or or they live is like that too, because yeah. it you know has a a big slow slow burn until sort of everything goes. Carpenter's really good at that, um, sort of building up a, a tension and and making things interesting, even if the if nothing really important is happening. But uh, yeah, this, and, uh, and he's all about world building. Like most of his leads are like not active at first. It's like they're sort of taken into like like Roddy Piper just sort of like we're just following him into this world. He's 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 not seeking out what the mystery is. And I'd say the same thing goes for, you know, you know, Snake Plissken's kind of thrust into his situation. And then that's how we learn about uh, the uh, the uh, New York state, you know, the New York Island prison or uh uh, big trouble in little china is the same way i think and it's yeah, it's yeah and it's you have to know how to handle uh, the plot really well and the world building really well if you're not going to focus on the characters right exactly and and here i mean you, you kind of have a similar vibe with tom atkins he's kind of he's kind of along for the ride really but um but it just because there's nothing really interesting about Tom Atkins or his, his home life or his relationship with his kids or a relationship with his wife or anyone in the hospital. It just kind of feels like nothing. And it's, it's, I don't think they intend for him to seem like such a piece of shit. It's not, it's not snake Plissken. He's not like an anti-hero. It's, it's just, if they made the movie now and they did it exactly the same, whoever played him would be, or at least seem 10 years younger. It would be, Right. Chris Chris Pine, it would be Tom Cruise, it would be someone that 
you know, felt a little more sympathetic. And not to say that right. Tom Atkins isn't doing a good job, but he's he's not he's not sympathetic in this in this role. And he's supposed to be our right. hero that we're rooting for. Opposite Connell right. Cochran, who is so magnetic as a villain. Right, exactly. Well, and what's what's so funny about this as like a franchise entry is that also like the the first two Halloween movies, the main characters are teenagers and it's geared towards teenagers and sold towards teenagers. And <laughs> the hero of this is some middle-aged doctor. <laughs> kids, kids, um, to the 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 zoomers that are avidly listening to this podcast i i I implore you go watch movies from the 80s go watch the original ghostbusters all the heroes the romantic lead they all are have receding hairlines and look like your dad tom atkins is not an anomaly that's what leading men looked like in the 80s right but but there's also i mean it's just the thing is is like so much of the Halloween and Halloween 2 is is predicated on teenagers going to see sort of themselves and you know that's kind of what kicked off the the slasher boom yeah uh, and it just it's like well here's the third entry it's and Tom Atkins and it is and it is an interesting way to kick off yeah like you said before it's in its attempt to completely break away from the cliche and by 1982, like the slasher movie was firmly a cliche already. Uh, it's attempt to break away from that and redefine the franchise ultimately doomed the franchise to follow the same formula over and over and over until honestly, until the latest right. movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sort of is a perfect example of what uh, a part three, uh, what happens with a part three, it defines the franchise in, in one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> um the big giveaway is going to get a 43 share which is insane that's 43 percent of all tv viewers are watching it i got really in the last after that i got really hung up on which channel didn't take down the uh the silver shamrock ad right well he got like, he got to two he got right? to two he got, of and them then the third one did the third one he couldn't he either didn't get to them, they didn't turn it off in time, or right? Is that that's the way it? it I guess that's the out. implication. So I had a theory. So I did a little digging because also this is 1982. It's not like there were only three channels. The cable existed at this point. So I was like, what else? What were other people watching? Um, and indeed, two ch- NBC and ABC at 9 p.m. on Halloween night, 1982, were showing movies of the week. Uh, one of them was showing something that like had like sounded like a sexy brothel comedy. It didn't seem like a horror movie. I should have written down the title. And the other channel was indeed showing Halloween, like they say in the movie. Uh, wow. Yeah. But CBS had a new Jefferson's on at 9 PM. So my theory is like, they were like, hell no, we're we're not going to preempt our new Jefferson's episode. That's a 26 share. Easy. You know, these people like there's no football because there's a play. There was a player strike in 1982. I looked that up. So they only they didn't have football that Sunday. So and CBS is like, we need the ratings. We we're, we we are not. He they paid for this ad space. We're not turning this off for some lunatic. It's like it's it's one ad, and then it's the Jeffersons, and that's that's a big deal for us. Uh, I was curious what else was on cable on MTV that night. 
they were showing uh, an Ozzy Osbourne uh, live show that was setting up his album Speak of the Devil. So all the metalheads lived through this Halloween. Um, and then on HBO, on HBO, they were showing Halloween too. There you go. So wow. some people, because Halloween exists in universe, uh, presumably skipped the original Halloween that was going to be on CBS or NBC because they hadn't seen Halloween 2. So they skipped and watched Halloween 2 instead because that presumably exists. This is the thing. This is this is why we're here, Will. <laughs> Here's my question about the villain about O'Hurley's plan, right? Yes. Did the kids need to be wearing the silver shamrock masks for their? They did, right? They needed to see the commercial and wear the silver shamrock masks for their heads to explode into bugs. Right? Specifically, the lasers, the 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 magic Celtic Stonehenge lasers. If they hit your head, uh, bugs and snakes will come out. Because when he when he throws them at the end and, and it hits the robots, the robots just deactivate. So I imagine they're destructive no matter what, but I I guess if you just left it on the table and weren't in the room, it would just kind of, like, the mask would catch on fire? I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, how many kids, one, are, are watching Halloween at 9 p.m., and two, how many of them are still wearing their masks? Well, the, the ad tells you to put your mask on, so they, they covered, oh, they thought of right. that. that's right, yeah. I that, that, that's right, I missed that. That, that plot hole is covered. Um... And as you could see from the Halloween montage, everyone in America has paired their costume with a silver shamrock mask because a skull, a pumpkin and a a witch go with everything. (laughs) That is a great sequence where you see everyone trick or treating and the songs going like that is a great like just just pretty scary sequence. There's some really cool shots in that. the, The shot of the kids up in the Hollywood Hills like that the Hollywood Hills and, and all the, like the visual of like those like Hills overlooking the city in California always creeped me out growing up. Cause I found them really creepy in ET. Yeah. Cause there's like a weird sort of unsettling menace uh, about. Those. Yeah. There's always like yeah. that sunset. Like I think this is, this is the first of a few movies we'll do that are set in like central coast or Northern California that are really like good and creepy. Like the first scream is kind of set in that yeah. area as yeah, well. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's like California's cr- doesn't get, I don't think it gets the credit for as how creepy it can be when you do it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's rare. I mean, I guess some of the, like a nightmare on Elm street, I guess they, well, do they give it, do they give a, a like an actual state in the in the original Nightmare on Elm Street? In the original Nightmare on Elm later? Street, they are they could not be more blatantly walking around the Venice canals. But I think later, right. by like the sixth one, they uh, they it's it's Ohio, right, right. But in the first one, I don't remember them giving any like specifics. But it's been a while no. since I've seen. The I don't know. They don't Nightmare. they don't say where Springwood is per se. Like Haddonfield's yeah. always been Illinois. Crystal Lake's always been a a boat ride from New York and, uh, <laughs> uh, and Springwood, I think ultimately turned out to be in Ohio. It's, it's kind of like where, where is Gotham city? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think, I think this would have, this could have worked, but I honestly think that like the world wasn't ready right in 1982, a year after Halloween two, to, to, completely gear shift from their super popular 
like successful uh slasher character yeah and 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 i don't know i i even now, I don't think audiences are really primed for the anthology thing for feature films, you know? No. Uh, like, you kind of, maybe, the, like, I remember the Tales from the Crypt movies, like, kind of being a thing. Uh, the Twilight Zone movie didn't never really kind of took off. There was Tales from the Dark Side. Like, audiences never kind of like that format. Yeah, you, you know? get, like... You get those like like Paris Jatem like occasionally, but those are very art house. There is no like Creep Show is just a TV show now, and it's and it's I think tel- TV is where you can you can do that sort of thing. Like they they you can bring back the Twilight Zone, you can bring back Tales from the Crypt if you want. You know, I it's I it's just a think uh, that I think works better for um, a shorter runtime. You know, it's it's a it works better for TV where you have like only forty five minutes to sort of tell a contained story, um, and when it gets ballooned to a longer thing, it doesn't always. Work. Yeah, and there's there's always an expectation with movies that they're going to be sort of grand, and you know, certainly nowadays every sequel has to be monumental, like it cheapens right. it yeah. if you act like any sequel is, you know. It's never pirate. Yeah, it's not Pirates of the Caribbean three. It's Pirates of the Caribbean important sounding title. You know, and so I think somehow I think trying to do its own thing, people didn't want that. Even though I wouldn't say it cheapened the franchise, I think it was just a noble effort that didn't work out. Right. I mean, I think it just it clearly it, they just changed it. It just uh, it was like it had season of the witch been successful then i think the whole franchise would have just been these sort of one-off the halloween stories uh going through the years yeah it's a really interesting movie i do think if you're a halloween fan and you haven't seen it you should definitely watch it if you're a horror fan you should definitely watch it i think it's one of the most underrated sort of neglected horror sequels it's it's like it's up there with in terms of just how interesting it is it's up there, I'd say, with like Exorcist Three. Like Exorcist Three, I think, is a better movie, but it's it's you know it's such an interesting little piece of of horror history that that, that exists, and so you know it's 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 worth watching. It is it is not a sequel to anything, and it stands on <laughs> its own. But I think yeah. Will, you're absolutely right. I think it is an important third movie in a franchise. It was a game changer, right. but just not in the way they intended. And I mean, I think that's that's kind of the the nature. I mean, that's the nature of this business in some ways where, you know, something either clicks or doesn't and it goes off in a different direction or, you know, taints the whole franchise. And and in this franchise alone, uh, next next week, we're going to tackle uh, Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. And then it's it's its own retcon, Halloween H2O 20 years later, both of which follow up Halloween's one and two. And then I think uh, we'll wrap up the sort of Halloween uh, three quadrilogy with a final episode talking about Halloween kills, uh, which I I can't wait to talk about. I have I have so many thoughts. I can't wait for you to see. Well, I haven't it. seen it yet. So oh, I'm Will. Excited. Yeah. Oh, Will. It's it's interesting. I, I, I it's I have I have notes there's some things I love about it, and then there's some things I have some notes about. There you go. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, and we've set up a Twitter. 
You can check us out at podcast part three. That's the number three. And, you know, uh, we, we welcome comments and suggestions as long as you're nice. Don't be mean to us. If you're feeling like being mean, go watch Halloween three instead. It will it will soothe you because <laughs> it's got a lot of nice synth music. It'll cheer you up. It'll cheer you up. It's you, I never feel sad or bad watching Halloween three. It's it's a it's yeah, it's a great horror it's a great halloween season watch it's a great drunk with your friends watch um i couldn't recommend it enough with all the caveats included right exactly but uh will uh any final thoughts on halloween three or uh anything else or does your cat need you uh well the cats are are having a they're, they're having a little fight right now one cat's trying to groom the other cat and the other cat's not having it but uh uh no i think i think halloween 3 is absolutely worth a watch uh it is bug nuts in the best ways um it's it's got some problems but it's uh it's lots of fun yeah and uh i i say my final thought is have people in your life that you like to talk about dumb shit with because that's when you're happiest like that's right. Maybe That's it's right. it's it's frittering away the hours to talk about schlocky movies with children's heads melting and Halloween masks. But it's honestly it's the thing I love the most. And uh, that's kind of why we're doing this podcast. And uh, I, I am looking forward to it because we got a long list. Will we got like so many yeah. movies to get through before we even get to do stuff like Death Wish three. <laughs> Yeah, and we've got a lot of movies that uh, tie into bigger movies that are coming out, and so it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be good. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, your cats and my dog have had enough of us, so folks, uh, we will say um, have a a very happy Halloween next year, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, uh, though this may actually drop after Thanksgiving, so I take it back. But uh, Will, until next time. All right. All right, buddy. All right.